Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. That's enough from me though. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth. And today I'm talking to Darren Reed, most recently Director of Marketing and Alliances at Interactive, about the relationship between marketing and sales development teams and why in his past experience at Interactive, he had the SDR team report into the marketing department. On that note, let's dive in. Darren, thanks a lot for joining us. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. No, it's I'm I'm really excited to, to have a chat about this. I this is a quite a debated topic uh, where SDRs on their sales or on the marketing, and I I really love to explore this with you and uh, and and dig a little bit deeper. So you know I think first of all it would be good to define what do you think how do you how do you approach SDR and what what is what is the definition of SDR or inside sales team uh, that role? What is that definition for you? I think that's a really good point, actually. And I think that's where, depending on how you define it, that's where you decide where it reports to as well, which is the sort of topic we're talking about, right? So if the goal of the inside sales function is to actually be a sales function and take orders and interact with customers and help sell through the selling process, then having them report to sales probably makes sense. Where we had them sitting in marketing at Interactive was because they're doing more marketing development, right? So they would be helping us qualify further before we handed on leads to a sales rep. They'd help us you know, engage an audience before an event or post an event. They'd be working with us around things like, hey, we saw you downloaded this particular piece of content. Can I help you with more information? Is there more things I can give you as part of your decision cycle so that when you are ready to buy, um, interacting is the top of your mind? And so we were really using them in that sort of uh, pre-sales funnel, if you like, so sort of at the bottom end of the marketing funnel, but before they hit the sales funnel, and really running a bridge between those two points. And I think if that's if that's the plan, if that's how you're going to run your SDRs or inside sales or however, whatever you want to call them, we call them marketing development development reps, but you know MDR SDR doesn't really matter. If that's the goal of them, if that's what you're trying to get them to do, then that's the right place for them. If you if you really are about sales, if they are about order taking, if they are about you know just processing or your transactions are relative, relatively straightforward, then putting them in a sales organization is probably okay as well. Um, but for us, it was very much our, uh, the interactive offering is a, is a fair bit more complex. Um, it usually requires quite a number of decision makers in the process. It's not a simple, you know, buy it off the shelf, there it is, we'll take that with us type offering. Uh, and so having someone just to help you sort of roll through the process, so to speak, just to help steer you or give you some more guidance or whatever it was, was a really important, a very powerful approach. Got it. Got it. And, you know, the, another another topic that is debated is the, the inbound versus outbound. It definitely, from what you just talked about, definitely sounded like there was some inbound activity that the SDRs were involved, like somebody downloaded an ebook or attended a webinar. Was, was there was there an outbound component as well to to what you and the team were doing? It would it would have it would be that way shortly. So the SDR or your marketing development function is relatively new at Interactive. We've probably only had it in for probably maybe about six or seven months. 
we had a backlog of inbound activity that we needed them to work through, which is probably just about finished now. And so, yes, the, the activity would be then now to move to an outbound basis. You know, we've, you know, we're calling up, you know, lists that we've bought or, you know, people who are in related industries and things like that to try and uh, try and, you know, get them in front of sales or get them in front of our audience, you know, our events and things like that. So initially it was to clear up the backlog of inbound activity that probably wasn't quite ready for sales. It just wasn't mature enough for, you know, an expense, truly an, an expensive salesperson to go and spend time on. You want to make sure that they're spending time on leads that are, you know, closable, winnable, have a, you know, a, a net genuine contribution to offer the company. The marketing development reps tend to be less expensive. They tend to be a little bit more uh, junior in their experience, not necessarily junior in their maturity, but certainly junior in experience. And so you pay a little less. And, and through that, then you can put them on things that are perhaps might have a longer payoff period or, or you know, maybe not pay off at all, but, you know, get them on, on those things that are perhaps um, less appropriate for, a, for an expensive sales rep. Got it. Yeah, I, I understand an expensive sales rep or an AE who is, you know, on $100,000, $200,000 a year. Yeah, it, you definitely don't want them to be chasing up people who 90% of them might say, yeah, no, I'm not interested. Um, that's, uh, that's a sure way for uh, losing a lot of cash. Now, what we're, I'd love to explore. So, so it's clear from, from your explanation that that qualification was a big component of, hey, are these the right people for us to go out talk to? And, and should we pass these to a, a more senior person? What, what were some of the benefits that you start seeing when you introduce this, uh, this team into the organization? Well, I think that initially there was no benefit, and I don't think, and I think there was some real resistance actually, right? So it was quite interesting. You, you know, the sales reps are used to seeing broadly every lead that comes in going to them, and then them doing the qualification and deciding if it's worthy of of their time. By putting this team into into the process, what we were doing was saying any lead that actually makes it through this cycle is worthy of your time. So we're we're taking that not qualification away, but we're taking that decision away from the rep, and the reps certainly weren't happy with that at start. Now, as we sort of got into it and they started seeing the benefit that they weren't wasting their time on, as you were saying, low opportunity, low low prospect, uh, uh, low you know opportunity of, of close, they were seeing that they were spending more time on winnable deals that had legitimate opportunity for them that they could go after and actually was worthy of their time. And, and what ended up happening was, you, you know, look, everyone has an ego, right? And salespeople tend to have a slightly bigger ego than most because they have to, right? Because it's <laughs> the way they survive their jobs. And I certainly don't begrudge them for it. But what, what we ended up doing was we ended up actually helping inflate the ego a little bit and saying, you know, look, the leads that we're giving you you know, we've done the work on, marketing has put the hard yards in, we've got you the people who are going to make the decision, who have, you know, as best as we can tell, have a budget approval, you know, or authority around, you know, approving the deal. They, they have a, a requirement that we can meet, so we're not giving you something that we can't do. And, you know, as far as as far as we can tell, they've also got a timeline. They may not have shared that exactly, but they're in the buying process, and we feel that they're at the right point where they should be talking to a rep. And often what you find is, the customer will self-select in at that point. They'll say, yeah, because, you know, we'll, we'll go through the motions and say, look, you know, here's all the information, blah, blah, blah. We'll follow you up again in a couple of weeks. Great. Follow me up in a couple of weeks. So we do that. When we get there, we say, okay, so you've got all the information. Here. Yes, we've got all the information. Have you, are you, do you feel like you're ready to talk to a sales rep now? Are you ready to actually start constructing a, a conversation around a transaction? And if they say yes, well, then, you know, then they're almost saying to you, 
yes, I'm ready to buy. I'm actually at that point where an acquisition is perfect for me and I'm, I'm exactly there. Or they might then say, no, actually, I need more information. Well, that's a perfect opportunity for our marketing development rep to then say, great, what else can I help you with? We've got an event coming up on this topic. You know, I can get you in touch with some of our other customers to talk about their experiences so you can do reference checks. So we can actually almost craft that, that sales process, if you like, right up to the point where the rep then is doing the, you know, the hard negotiation, the, the bits that are difficult around, you know, product configuration or solution design and configuration or, you know, pricing or, you know, all of the terms and conditions that go with that, that are, you know, that are worthy of a sophisticated rep's time versus just someone who's, you know, I'm doing a university assignment on data centers, for example, right? I mean, you know, the number of, I'm sure our reps have spent hours with people like that, right? And, and to, no, to no benefit to the company. And, you know, at, at the same time, because they're spending time there, well, that's time that they don't have to spend somewhere else. So this way, you know, marketing, yeah, okay, marketing's taking the brunt. And to your point, you know, probably 90% of the people that our marketing development rep talk to aren't ever going to be, aren't ever going to be opportunities or, or at least not in the foreseeable future. So, you know, there's a lot of, you're burning through a lot of activity for not a lot of result there. But when you do get one or two or three or four or 10 or 20 that go through to a rep that become opportunities, that become sales, you can see the path that they went down. And so each, every time you do that, you're refining your process even further. So that, you know, the, your marketing development rep becomes more efficient as well, as well as in driving more efficiency in your sales organization. Interesting. And Darren, when you were introducing or when the organization was, was introducing this, this MDR role, was there a debate whether it would go under sales or marketing? Was there, you know, sales would be like, no, no, that's that should be in our court. What, what was it? Give us a picture. Can you paint this picture? What, what was happening there? So the the initial design for the role actually came out of sales. So the initial plan was we need these inside sales roles because that's exactly how they describe them. We need these inside sales roles to do all the stuff that the reps don't want to do. And it's like, that sounds like a great job description for someone not at all, right? Like, I mean, just, you know, what, what jobs is? It's a job that no one else wants to do. So congratulations, you've got it, right? Like, I mean, you know, there's nothing, there's no way that that's the right way to approach a role ever, right? But but that's essentially how how the sales organization came at it. And, you know, we, we went the other way and said, well, look, rather than doing the things that you guys don't want to do, how can we take those things away altogether, right? So the things you don't want to do are chase people down with Gmail addresses and mobile phone numbers, and that's all that they've given us. You know, the things you don't want to do are, you know, chase down companies who are clearly not in the in the firmographic of the organizations that we go and sell to. You know, you don't want to be chasing down an industry that's never bought our product before because the likelihood of success is low. You know, you don't want to be chasing down an organization where we already know that the incumbent you know, is a competitor and they're likely to be there for the next five years and trying to unseat them is impossible, right? So there was a whole bunch of activity that we sort of mapped out that said, if we could take all that away and give you confidence that none of those things are true, right? So that we've, you know, we've, we've done the firmographic and they fit our profile. We, we know that they're in market for the services that we offer and we can offer a service that, that, that they need. You know, they're not coming to try and buy a widget that we don't sell, for instance. If we could take all that stuff away, isn't that better for you you know, big tick there. And then is it not more logical then that you as a sales leader focus on leading the highest value deals that we could find, you know, use your best reps to go and chase the best deals that will drive the best result for the company. And for the most part, the sales organization went, yeah, that sounds like exactly what we want to do because everyone wants to be an elephant hunter, right? And and so 
what we said was, look, why don't, you know, given you've got the funding for this, why don't you fund it for the first six months, but we'll put it in marketing as a, as a functional area of marketing. So yeah, you're, you're paying for it. So ultimately you have the say of what, what this does, but, but let's use it for goodness rather than just as a, an order taker for sales. And again, the, the interactive business is not an order taking business. That's not the way our offerings worked. Right, so their you know their data centers, their business continuity, their cloud solutions, their you know infrastructure service solutions. They're they're complex enough that you you don't walk down a supermarket aisle and go, I'll have that box of hardware maintenance and I'll have that box of data center. It doesn't you know there's not a logical thing to do. You know everyone comes with I have a fully bespoke requirement that is unusual or different, or you know I've, I've got legislative requirements that I need to meet or whatever it might be. So you don't just stand, you know, in the old days, we used to stand by the fax machine on June 30, like, you know, and uh, and take all the orders off the fax. You know, you don't do that in this business anymore. I mean, I don't think there's any business to do that at all anymore. But but in this business, particularly, you need to engage with the client over, over a potentially extended period of time to really craft out what it is they're trying to do. And an inside sales rep of the traditional sense isn't going to be able to do that, right? This is not a, you know, I'm, I'm out there selling a laptop or a phone, right? Where, where there's a you know, a fixed set of parameters around which this thing works and it comes in different configurations, sure. You can have it in four different colors, sure. But fundamentally, it's the same, you know, offering. This thing comes in a myriad of colors and it comes in, you know, every possible combination of factors and there's 60 things to think about. And when you're putting an order in, there's 45 things on the order sheet, you know? So that requires someone who is, you know, firstly, very experienced. So, you know, the sales people that we we have, the BDMs and the, the AEs that we have are, you know, legendary in their experience. Some of them have been in the businesses that they work in for 15 and 20 years. So they really know it extraordinarily well. You know, it's not difficult to teach, but it's difficult to generate that experience in a short period of time. So, you know, that's a challenge. And then, you know, if you can serve up customers who, as I said, are already, you know, proven to have budget or, or talking about having access to budget, have some sort of timeline and understanding of what they're trying to offer, you know, are in a position of authority in terms of making or part of the decision process, then two-thirds of the rep's work is already done in terms of that qualification thing. So now we can let them loose on the things that they do really the best, right, which is solutioning and, you know, building up pricing and developing you know, terms and terms and uh, and condition contracts, and you know all those things that need to be finessed and handled. You know, with someone with experience, and that's how, in the end, that you know, I think sales would still like to have an inside sales function. I think they'd like that idea just for purposes of you know, everyone wants an empire, right? So you know, the more people reporting to me, the more important I am. That's generally how it works in a lot of organisations. So uh, I think there's still a feeling about that, but I I, I do think that we recognised uh, pretty early on that having that function sitting in marketing. Firstly, they got far more attention. You know, marketing is a, a far smaller function than than sales. And also, you know, I think if you have a, a quota of, you know, $1,000 versus a quota of a million dollars, you know, you're going to give the million dollar quota the attention versus a thousand dollar quota the attention. So, you know, I think, I think that's the risk. Unless you have an inside sales function that is of size or of scale or has a very clear activity set that is, you know, almost exclusive to it, then it's very hard for them to, to fit into the sales organisation in a in a real way. Now, I mean, you know, we were very lucky. All of our all our senior BDs were mentoring and coaching, and they took our inside sales team or marketing development team out on 
on actual conversations with customers. So they got a feel for how things happened post their involvement. And that made them smarter and better and more efficient. And they continue to do amazing things today. So I think, uh, I think what we did, we proved out that having it in marketing for interactive particularly was the right place for it. I love, I love especially where, where you ended, where um, the sales team kind of took the, the MDR team out and, and really showed them the ropes. Because I think one of, the, one of the areas that a lot of people have challenges with, with the SDR role is exactly what you said, where, hey, you know, this is not an interaction or, or a transaction that you only have to pick the color. There is just a variety of things that you have to take into consideration. And often what happens is when organizations introduce the SDR, MDR, instant sales, whatever you want to call it, in an organization, and they kind of get on the phones or they start to interact with customers, all of a sudden the first thing that happens is like, what did you just say? What? No, 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 that's not how you talk to them or that's not how you say it or that's not what you, what you, should, you should present. Did you have any any challenges similar to that, introducing the SDR team into the organization? I think that is the same as if you bring in a brand new rep, right? So I think anybody new into the organization, it doesn't really matter. And one of the things that you know, Interactive in particular does is we sell we, we sell a lot physically. So we're, we have people, we invite customers onto site to see what it is we do actually physically. And, you know, one, there's some people, particularly uh, in the Melbourne branch, who have, are famous for their tours, famous. Like they are just brilliant at it. And if you could ever get on one of their tours, you want to because they are amazing at it, just incredibly talented at it. And so we get the SDRs or the MDRs to go and do those tours. So they got the sense of, you know, the stories behind the story, you know. So one of the things that, that people don't think about, you know, for example, is, okay, so, you know, we, we're on Zoom today and that's fantastic. That's using a data center somewhere, somewhere probably in the US, but somewhere. That data center is generating a prodigious amount of CO2. You know, it's sucking in an enormous amount of energy. Where's the energy coming from? How green are their credentials? What are they doing to offset carbon? You know, all of these sort of conversations. You can put them on your website. Of course you can, but they don't mean anything until someone physically sees it. So when they come down and have a look and go, oh, wow, a solar array. Yeah, that solar array can power the entire you know, town that we're based in. Holy crap, right. Okay, wow. You know, so those stories start to have a real effect. And I think... If you know, we certainly had our MDRs go and do those tours multiple times with different people, so they picked up all of the different stories. But you also tend to tell the story about the customer who had this issue, or the you know the, where we solved that problem, or we had this experience, or above and beyond for an engineer. And so those you know those stories become part of the fabric of the company, but they become part of the fabric of the relationship that you have with your with these new customers. So so the MDRs having those experiences and hearing those things they started to parrot some of the phrases, which was perfect, which is exactly what we're trying to do. Invariably, someone says something stupid. But, hey, I say stupid things all the time, right? And I'm old. And, you know, so, you know, it, you know invariably, someone's going to say the wrong thing or just, just, you just go, yeah, not quite what, you, what I would have wanted you to say there. And so we were always very careful not to script people because it comes off robotic. And, you know, you probably get telemarketing calls. I know I get telemarketing calls. And you can tell that someone's just reading a screen, right? They just, you know, because whatever you say, they're saying the next thing. It doesn't matter whatever comes in the order after after whatever you said, right? <laughs> yeah, that's and, right. And, you know, when you're in B2B particularly, but when you're in, you know, really, you know, quite expensive transactions, that's the worst possible scenario where the customer just feels like they're, from the moment they get on the phone, they're just being sold to. 
Whereas what we were trying to do was get the SDRs to think about, well, who are you calling? You know, what industry are they in? Who else do we know that are customers or that we've had experience with that are in that industry? And what are the things we know about that industry that might be you know, of interest to them. So, you know, we'd often start our conversations by, hey, look, we noticed you're downloading this white paper, you know, you're in banking and finance and you're looking at disaster recovery, as an example. You know, we have a number of customers like you who are doing exactly the same thing. You know, let me just give you some ideas of the sorts of things we're doing for customers who are like you. And that sort of, you know, relies on, you know, one of the things that um, one of the people I know, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but one of the people I really like reading is Seth Godin. I think he's just quite a, a direct and interesting guy. I don't think he's, you know, he's, I don't think he's the God that a lot of people make him out to be, but I just, I like his style. I like his approach. And one of the things he says is, you know, the purity of marketing is people like us do this. That's all, that, that's all you're trying to do. You're trying to say, you know, we're like you and people like us, we do this thing, right? Which of course, in, in interactive land, it's like, you know, customers like us, like people like us are buying disaster recovery or people like us are buying cloud or people like us are buying whatever it might be. And so we tried to build the, the MDR conversation around that same idea. So you know, we can see that you're this, this and this. Does that sound about right? Yeah, 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 that's right. And then you've got these sorts of parameters in your business. Yeah, yep, that's right too. Great. Well, we have about 10 other customers that look exactly like you who are already doing the thing that you're doing, right? Because one of the things that we found, and I think this is probably true of everybody, no one wants to be Robinson Crusoe. You know, no one wants to be the first, but everybody wants to be the second. And so if you can sort of give people that sense of you're not going to be first, it's okay. There are already people like you here and they've already done it and they're already loving it. And here's their story. Then not only are you equipping that person to go and have that conversation internally and say, hey, look, hey, guess what? You know, this person, this person, this person, this person are already doing these things and they're already doing it with interactive. I think these guys are pretty good. You can then say to them, why don't you bring you know, those, that buying group out and see us. Come and see what we do. Come and see it physically. Come and do a tour. Come and think about how you would fit in here. And, you know, one of the, one of the great things about doing that is you show off your culture, right? You get to show off to people, you know, this is the sort of company we are, not just the sort of things we sell. And as a result, what you end up with is this beautiful energy exchange happening and if it happens correctly, then the customer goes, oh, yeah, you know, this feels really comfortable. This is exactly the sort of premise environment I could, I could be here. This is the sort of, in, in fact, almost this is the sort of place I could work. And if you can get them to that point, they've bought you, right? And you, you've done the job. So the MDR's responsibility to bring it back to the point, I'm sorry, carry on here a little bit, but, you know, bring it back good, to the point. Good stuff. The, 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 the MDR's job then is to impart that cultural experience, that energy exchange early but tell the story in such a way that when the customer does finally come onto site, which can take some time, we're validating everything that's been said. So it's not, oh, no, I wasn't expecting that, or that's different, or that's not, oh, no, hang on a minute. It's, there's no what I call a clunk. You know, it's, there's no dissonance there, right? What it is is total validation. Everything that the MDR rep has said to you, everything that you've experienced on our website, everything you've experienced in our white papers, all the things that we've talked about, are here and they're manifest, they're live and real and in real time. And so, you know, the finance people that you meet are an embodiment of all the things we've already told you. And the engineers that you meet are an embodiment of all the things we've already told you. And our barista, when you take a coffee from them, is all the things that we've ever told you. And, and that becomes so manifest for the, for the individual or the, or the people, the customers that are on site learning about it, that it, it's almost impossible for them to back away because, you know, they've now lent in so far that they they almost it's like a it's like a you know it's like a a tractor beam right I mean to be a, be an IT nerd right but it's, it's it's you've sucked them in 
And that's exactly the whole point. That's the whole game. I love it. I it sound, I feel like, you know, I feel like if I buy a, I don't know, a, a, a cloud security solution from one of the salesperson at Interactive and then walk around Interactive, you know, all of a sudden in the middle of that, I might buy a disaster recovery plan from the barista. At the uh, It's like the culture is so strong. It's like grabbing a cup of coffee. I'm like, oh yeah, I would like one of those. That sounds great. I think the the level of maturity that you're talking about is is fascinating. I think a lot of organizations that they, they look at the, the, the sales development role or the market development role, look at it from a perspective of we need somebody to be making calls and somebody to get in touch with, with people. And I feel like you've kind of taken it to that next level where, where like you're infusing the culture in it. And it, it, it's, it's hard. It's, that's not an easy task to do. Uh, of of incorporating culture in not only your SDR but all the other elements. A lot of that's that's a holy grail. That's uh, that's what a lot of organizations aim for. On that note, if you were go, going back and you wanted to reintroduce the MDR team, the market development, marketing development reps into the organization, is there anything that you would do differently? I think there's a any number of things we do differently. I think you know once you've done one thing once. You always look back and go, oh, there are all these things I'd do differently. I think that a couple of the key things we do differently are, you know, we spent a lot of money on outsourced telesales early on. And and I think that's probably where you were sort of heading a, a minute ago, where, you know, companies have problems ingraining the culture because a lot of what they do, as you say, is they go and ask people to dial for dollars. You know, just just dial and dial and dial and dial and dial. I don't know about you, but how many times do you answer the phone when it says private number? Probably never at all, Right. If it's a number you don't recognize or you're not sure about, probably not at all. And so those reps are trained not to leave voicemails and all that sort of stuff because what's the point, right? You just might, you're trying to just get someone on the phone at that moment. And when you get them, you're trying to hang on to them for dear life. I think customers in particular, but, but I think as consumers, I think we're past that stage. None of us love to hear that stuff, right? And so companies have gone further now and they use robocallers and they use recorded messages. And if you hang on the phone long enough, they'll put you through to someone. And, you know, but you hate that and I hate that. And as soon as you hear that connection time while you're waiting for someone to come online, you go, I got you, I hang up, you know. And so, so that, that history of, you know, random people calling you at random times that are generally inappropriate and generally just not suited to your day or whatever, you're not going to take the time to talk to them. Using where, where we inserted the MDR was always that you'd already expressed an interest. You'd already shown and demonstrated behaviors that said to us, you know, you're in the market or potentially in the market or you're researching the market or we've got something that's of interest to you. So there's already, you've already offered that up in a way, right? So and so I think what I would say to you, the different, the things I would do differently is I would never have spent anywhere near the amount of money I spent on outbound telesales using a remote organization, partly because of the culture thing. And, and, you know, you can find people who sort of align to you and have a similar style to you and they can come out and see your premises and whatever, but they don't live it. They're not there every day. You don't have the reps sitting beside them all day, every day, you hearing their conversations, them hearing yours, and each of you improving the other just by, you know, hey, what were you saying there? That was really interesting. Can you tell me more about that? Or, you know, oh, I really liked what you said there. What was the, you know, how did the customer respond? That, you know, that, that just becomes a natural byproduct of sitting together. But if, you're, if you've got a telesales, outbound telesales function, they are by definition really noisy. 
So you don't sit them in the middle of the bullpen. You don't sit them in the middle of the floor with finance people and other things. You tend to put them in another building or another part of the building or another floor or in a closed room or whatever. And so all- out there in the, <laughs> in, the, in the yard. That's yeah. it. That's right. <laughs> sit out there. <laughs> There's an underground car park we've had waiting for you. No, no. So, um, but but the, that's the challenge, right? Because they are noisy. Because people on the phone all day naturally get a bit louder and a bit sort of more boisterous and they you know and so what ends up happening is they create their own culture rather than necessarily your culture and so you know i I would certainly say you know we learned a lot by spending money on telesales externally we learned a stack from you know from list acquisition to how to qualify before the you know the, the telesales people are calling the customers or potential prospects you know what the handoff looked like between them and us you know, the information that we needed at our end to make sure that our reps were confident that there was actually, you know, something to go and pursue here. Now, we learned an absolute stack. And so from that point of view, the spend was worthwhile in the sense that that enabled us to set our MDRs up for real success. I would say, you know, it took us a while to find the right MDRs too. You know, there were a lot of people who came like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm a telesales person. I know exactly what I'm doing. I had to punch out a thousand calls a, a month or whatever it was, la, la, la. It's like, yeah, not so much. Not what I'm looking for at all. I'm actually looking for someone who can, you know, on their feet, craft a conversation to help. A cu- and, you know, it's it's almost more customer se- customer service. I mean, the, the company that I've ever seen do it the best is Marketo, actually. We, we're a Marketo customer, but and I'm not trying to use that as an ad for them. But they insert the MDR really nicely. So they you go to their website, do a couple of things. The first thing they do is ask you a bunch of questions about your company and things like that, and which you give freely because you want to try and get to the software. And that immediately tells them that you're in their demographic or you're not, right? So you're at the right level of seniority to make the decision. The company's the right size and shape, all that sort of thing. And so they go, right, we're immediately going to diverge you. You're either in, in which case we're going to put you down a sales route path, or you're not really in our frame of reference at the moment. So we're going to put you off to an online demo and some other things, and you can have a play over there and just you know go and sort yourself out. If you go into the sales function, they take you through a couple of steps, and then an MDR jumps on the phone and starts taking you through a personal demo of the product, right? And so this M- this MDR is almost a, a pre-sales person almost, right? Like in the, in the way we would think about it traditionally, but they're tailoring, a, they're tailoring an experience now for you. And so when you get through that, the next step then is to go to, a, go to an event or go to a rep or go to whatever, but you've already had this personal, you know, handcrafted concierge-esque type service. And so you're already feeling fantastic. They already know more about you than you would ever let on to a sales rep in the first conversation. Because, you know, how do you tailor an experience around software if you don't tell me about your business? Well, here's, here's what I know. Oh, all right. And if you want, did you want to do this? Yeah, I want to do that. Oh, you want to think about that? Oh, yeah, I want to think about that. So the whole experience becomes, you know, like a bespoke suit. You know, I'm, I'm here custom tailoring this thing. I'm not custom tailoring anything. They have a set of standard scenarios that they run, right? But for you as the customer, you feel like this is a personalized experience. And so we tried to not quite go that far because, you know, they're way better at this than, than anything that I've ever seen. But we tried to go down that path as well. So our MDRs are there really to, to be a more personable interaction in that initial phase is where you're so in that research stage you're trying to figure out whether we're right for you and you're right for us they're there to be really quite personable and share with you our culture so that you get that sense of yeah actually these guys could be right for us these guys you know do fit the bill are the sort of organization i want to work with because you know you and i know like there's nothing worse than working with people you don't like right and you know and if they're vendors or if they're suppliers right you've got the opportunity to say you know what i don't like you anymore i'm going to go on and go to another supplier so the risk for us as the supplier is that you do that 
that one day you go, yeah, I don't like you anymore for whatever reason, right? For a myriad of reasons. But, you know, our job is to try and prevent that from happening. But more importantly, our job is to try and set that, settle that up front. So before we go through the process of putting an expensive salesperson and you put all your time and effort into a tender or whatever it might be, you know, let's find out up front if we're compatible. And then we can worry about how the actual relationship works and what the mechanics are and, you know, who's going to do what and for whom and how often and, you know, all of those, those sort of relationship things that you need. But the first thing you got to know is, you know, do I like you? Are you the sort of company that I want to do business with? Or am I happy with you holding my most important data? Or as you said, you know, looking after my cybersecurity or, you know, if I gave you my cloud services, what are you going to do with them? Like, are you someone I can trust? Do you give me the sense of, you know, place? Do I feel important? Am I someone who matters? Or am I just another, you know, I mean, there was a, an old joke. I know the um, the NRMA in Sydney, which is the RACV here in Melbourne, but they had a, they had a really funny ad one time. They ran an ad that said, uh, you're a member, not a number. Great ad, great, you know, great purpose, great sense of place. You know, you're a member, you, you're important to us. Of course, when you rang them up, the first thing they said was, what's your member number, right? <laughs> and, and so the whole thing was just completely dissonant to the ad, you know? And so we always tried really carefully to make sure that, you know, we, we used, you know, we tend not to use stock imagery, we use stock imagery of our people. So the first thing is, you know, you see an interactive ad, the chances are you can go and meet that person, right? Because that person works in the place that they work, right? You know, we have our engineers on our ads, we have our cybersecurity team on our ads, we have all sorts of different people from execs all the way down to our baristas in our ads. They're all over the website, all the photos on the website are of our people. You know, so any of those people on any given day you could turn up at one of our offices and say, I want to meet Eric, the engineer. And we'd go, well, he's based in Sydney. Turn up at our Sydney office and we'll make sure Eric's there to meet you. You know, or I want to meet Tanya, the barista. No problem. Well, Tanya, the barista is, is here. Come and come and meet her. Or you want to meet Yannick, the barista in Melbourne? Sure, come and meet him. He's right here. Right? Like, like he's a real person. He yeah. exists. Yeah. It's not a stock image. It's not a fake. It's not a model. It's not this. It's not real people. Come and meet him. Sure. You know, and, and I, I think, and, and the MDRs were part of that process. Got it. I want to meet these interactive baristas, man. They sound sure. like a gun. They, they sound are. like they sound they sound great. But uh, but no, that's uh, that's 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 a really good point. And I and I again really like the emphasis that you put on infusing the brand in uh, in in the SCR team and in the MDR teams. I think a lot of people give it lip lip service and not go that extra mile because it's really hard. Now, before we wrap up, I have a couple of questions couple of rapid questions that I want to go through and I want to ask you that uh, that it would be it would be great. So the first question is, what is one resource? It could be a book, a blog, podcast, a talk, whatever it is that fundamentally has changed the way you work or live. Uh, I think there's a there's a book called Crucial Conversations that I read when I was very, very new to management. And uh, it uh, it definitely changed the way I was approaching Every conversation, actually, to be honest, but uh, very worthwhile, easy to read. The other one is uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Mencioni. I think a lot of people have read that, but I always go back to that because it reminds me of when you're hiring people, you've got to hire the right people. I love it. Okay, question number two. If you could could only give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? Go with your gut. So honestly, you know, everyone will tell you that there's – you know, data for this and data for that. And that we've got we've got data for everything, right? And one of the challenges with all that data is there's no insights. So my view on that, my view on that is if you believe something, go and test it. Go and try it. If you think that's true, go and prove it. Or prove it's not. But don't sit there and vacillate and try and find data that validates your position or doesn't, because you'll just find it just as much data that invalidates your position. The only way to test it for your market, for your customer base, for your company is to go and try it. 
Got it. Question number three, what are some of the influencers that you follow in the, in the kind of B2B marketing and sales space? Well, I mentioned a couple, obviously, Seth Godin, Mark Ritson, all those sort of guys. Everyone follows those guys. But I really love what Emma Roberg and her team are doing with the B2B Marketers Forum. So I was lucky enough to attend their Sydney event. Their Melbourne event's coming up, I think, a little later in the year. But they do webinars all through the year. Um, they bring out some amazing talent in the marketing space, and particularly B2B marketing space for all sorts of different topics. I know they've got an ABM one coming up now, but you know, lots of different things. I did one on segmentation a little while ago. Not that you want to listen to that one, but uh, you know, there's uh, there's lots of much much smarter people than me doing some really amazing things at all different scales, right? So they'll often get a couple of enterprise marketers along, but they'll get a, a bunch of small medium enterprise marketers along as well. And and the challenges are the same. Obviously, the budgets are different, and the and the way you approach the solutions are different. But it's really interesting to hear how different people are responding to those challenges, and I'd, I'd recommend that for sure. Got it. Last question: What's something that excites you about B two B today? I think the market is ever more sophisticated and I think the marketing response is ever more sophisticated. And I think, you know, you don't need more brains, you just need to be more willing. And I think that's the thing. I think the opportunities are out there for everybody. I think you've just got to be willing to go and have a go at it. And I think uh, if you're willing to have a crack, you, you know, the chances are you'll be very successful because, you know, people are looking for cut through marketing. You know, I mean, I used to uh, say to my, my marketing team, interactive all the time, the only measure of our success is did we do good marketing? Because if we didn't do good marketing, what the hell are we doing here, right? And, and it's good marketing from everything, is it? Did we represent the brand right? Did we bring through good creative? Did we do the right data segmentation analysis? Did we give a good customer experience? You know, did we take them through the buyer's journey? All of those things, sure. All of those are critically important, but ultimately, at the end of the day, can you sit back and look and go, at the time, given all the things that I knew, that was the best thing I could have done? Because you don't want to look back and go, oh, my God, that was horrible. I'll never do that again. Because if you're thinking that, then you shouldn't have done it in the first place, right? Yeah. What, everything should be the best that you can be at that moment so that when you do look back on it, you say, wow, yeah, okay, I wouldn't do that today because I know lots of other things now, but... At the time, that was certainly the best I could have done. And if you're doing that, you, you can't lose. Fantastic. Fantastic. Darren, I think there's there's plenty of golden nuggets in this conversation that we had. And I think listeners are going to probably listen to it multiple times. I know I very much enjoyed our, our chat and just want to thank you for, uh, for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. It's been an absolute pleasure and, uh, and all the best to you and your listeners, mate. It's, uh, it's a tough gig, but a very fulfilling one. No, thank you so much again for, for jumping on. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll look forward to chatting uh, soon as well. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support. We're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.